You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Marriage. What does the Bible really say? In this episode, we look at the history of marriage in this country to see how it has changed in format and in law from medieval times up until today. Then we start looking at what God instituted at the creation event with Adam and Eve, two literal characters, and how that remained unchanged for thousands of years. The reason for this special relationship of marriage is that it foreshadows a type of Christ as the future worldwide. King and the faithful church or ecclesia as his bride, living outside of these parameters, is against God's will. Now, obviously, this is a very sensitive subject and we do not wish to offend anyone. But if you've got any comments or thoughts about what the scriptures say, please do get in touch and put your point of view across. You can leave us a voice message or you can email email us at christadelphianvideo at gmail.com. Until next time, may God bless you. Amen. So just briefly thinking about what we mean by marriage, um, because there's obviously a lot uh, of history which goes behind this uh, obviously um, we have this right in the early scriptures uh, as a principle which we will will have a look at but within the world around us uh, and the history more recent history um, we have various definitions uh, which we can look at um, so if we go to wikipedia for example we will read there that it's a a social and a legal union between two individuals recognized by the state um, and or the church uh, and it's known as matrimony Uh, and this was a a, a sacrament of the uh, and a rite of the catholic church Uh, and if we go right back to medieval europe uh, marriage was governed by canon law in those times uh, where a man and a woman had to state uh, all they had to do was look at one another and state that uh, they were to take one another as husband or wife, um, and that was all that was needed in order for a marriage to be valid. Uh, and witnesses weren't even required in the early days. Um, and then, as time moved on, um, in 1215, it was the uh, the Fourth Lateran Council which uh, forbade clandestine marriages, those that took part in secret, where there were no witnesses. Uh, and from that time forward, they had to be publicly announced. Uh, and, and then go through all the rituals with with the churches through the churches um, and, and a priest had to conduct the service and now we move into uh, modern times and the definition then of marriage uh, has become somewhat blurred uh, in more recent times up until about 2005 uh, I think it was fairly straightforward uh, it was just a, a union between a man and a woman um, but obviously now lots of other types of relationship have become socially acceptable 
Uh, and in 2005, we have uh, the introduction, uh, we saw the introduction of what was known as civil partnerships. Um, and this was where um, same-sex couples could be bound together in a formally recognised relationship. Uh, and before that time, there was no recognition at all. Uh, but then that uh, that gave rise to a problem uh, with married couple uh, married couples uh, going forward from that time, especially when um, one of them decided that uh, they were transgender and needed to change their sex, uh, and that then mandated those that were married into a divorce. Uh, and so that was overcome in two thousand and fourteen, where it was made legal for um, couples of the same sex to actually get married as well. So we have this uh, other law that's introduced. Uh, and then uh, there were those um, couples of the opposite sex, which then weren't allowed to enter into civil partnerships. And so the law changed again in 2019 to allow heterosexual couples, uh, couples of the opposite sex to actually form a civil partnership. So it's all become a bit muddled and confused in recent times as, as to what these different unions and, and relationships actually mean. Uh, and one might question, what is the difference between a marriage and a civil partnership? Um, because in the large, uh, they both afford the same rights to couples that enter into those relationships in terms of tax and benefits, pensions uh, and inheritance. Um, but a civil partnership comes without any sort of religious connotation. Um, it's interesting that, that marriages can be ended through a divorce, um, but civil partnerships um, have to go through what, they know, what is known as a dissolution order. Uh, and one of the key differences is that adultery is not a valid reason to dissolve a civil partnership, where it is obviously with, with the marriage relationship. So there's all sorts of different um, rules and types of relationships which have come into our, our modern times which we have to try and get our head around uh, and, and try and set against the context of what the bible describes to us um, traditionally a marriage uh, begins with a wedding ceremony uh, and you end up with a piece of paper a certificate of marriage uh, and, and as i've said that that marriage can be um, ended through a divorce So let's move on and look at what the Bible defines uh, as marriage. So it defines the marriage relationship um, in terms of what is acceptable to God. Uh, and it's very clear it's a union between a man and a woman. Uh, it's intended to be a lifelong relationship uh, between a husband and a wife. One that should not be readily and easily uh, ended by divorce, although uh, it was allowed and, and permitted under the law of Moses for a, a, a marriage to be ended through a bill of divorcement. And there we have a verse from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22. Um, she shall continue to be his wife. He must not divorce her as long as, li uh, as, long as he lives, uh, was the law um, given um, as part of the law of Moses. Um, but as I say, in some circumstances, uh, it did end in divorce. Uh, and it's interesting to that uh, end. Um, uh, somebody came to the Lord Jesus and asked him that very question about whether it's legal or not 
for a man to divorce his wife? Um, is it can, can it be done for every and any reason? Um, the question was put to him. Uh, and the answer that Jesus gives, um, he takes us right back to the beginning uh, and gives us what the uh, the Bible view is, um, what, what the view of the Lord God was, what he intended with the original marriage relationship. Uh, and his reply we can read in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 and 4. Haven't you read, Jesus said, that at the beginning the, uh, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Um, so very clear words from the Lord Jesus. And he's taking our minds right back to the book of Genesis, to the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve. Uh, and I just want to uh, go back in uh, ourselves just to consider a few verses from the book of Genesis and chapter two. Uh, and I'll just uh, read those for you now. Um, in Genesis 2, we have the account, of course, where God creates uh, the earth with the, gr tree, the grass and the trees and the herbs, the fish, the birds, the animals, uh, and Adam is created from the earth. And in Genesis 2, verse 18, God says, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Verse 21, the Lord. God caused a deep sleep to fall uh, to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now my uh, my bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh uh, and this is the pattern of the union that was established right from the very beginning uh, and what God intended uh, between a man and a woman um, from the outset of creation uh, and it's interesting just as a side there you know when you when we consider how that came about Eve was taken out of the man um, made from one of Adam's ribs. Uh, it's very interesting uh, when we have obviously the, the benefit of uh, an understanding of scientists today uh, and they can look in in very much detail can't they of, of how we've been made up um, and they tell us that we're made of chromosomes. Uh, X and Y chromosomes exist in the man. It's very interesting isn't it when we look at the woman there is no Y chromosome it's only in the man. Uh, the woman only has the X chromosome. And, and can you see there that science is backing up uh, what the Lord tells us uh, in the account of creation in Genesis, that the woman was taken out of the man uh, and was made as a helper for the man. And the intention was that they would then be joined together in one flesh, uh, helping each other in a relationship which was intended to last a lifetime. So that's the principle that the Lord Jesus directs us to in the answer to the, the, the question that was asked of him about what marriage is and whether it should be ended or not. 
So there we are, just to summarise, woman was made from the man, uh, woman was made to help the man, uh, and the man and woman to be were to be one flesh for life. Moving on um, through the Old Testament, uh, there's some interesting uh, words which come through the prophet of Malachi, which again give us uh, a hint at what God intended uh, the purpose of marriage to be. Uh, and actually, he uses the idea of marriage to describe the relationship uh, between his people, Judah, and himself. Uh, God intended that to be a kind of marriage. Um, but when we look at what he says there through the prophet, we get uh, what the true purpose of marriage was to be, the way God intended uh, intended it to be. And in the Malachi, book of Malachi, chapter 2, prophet of Malachi, verses 14 and 15, um, the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? because he seeks a godly seed, a godly offspring. Uh, and so the intention of marriage, uh, and here it's used in the context of spiritual relationship between uh, Israel uh, and Judah and, and the Lord God, but equally in the physical relationship between a man and a wife, the intention was to bear fruit uh, and to reproduce, to bring out offspring, uh, and that offspring would then be brought up um, to be godly uh, and to understand God and his purpose and to worship the creator. Uh, and that was the, the intention uh, right from the very beginning. When we uh, look around us, um, we don't need to go back very many years uh, where traditional values were very much different to what uh, they are today. Um, marriage, um, used to be a, a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. Um, quite often wedding vows were, were read as part of the formal ceremony, uh, which included until the words, until death do us part, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward until death do us part. Uh, and that was part of the, the, the legal wording that had to be read out. Uh, and for the majority um, of the younger generation today, these values seem to be more uh, increasingly disregarded. Uh, but there are still some of the older generation um, and minority Christians and other religious couples which still do value the marriage relationship. Uh, just a couple of examples from the media. Um, going back, uh, while this couple go, um, it was in 2019 that um, there was a picture of uh, a couple, uh, John and uh, Joan Bear, and they had celebrated 80 long years of marriage together. So quite uh, uh, an accomplishment uh, by modern standards. But they were beaten by another couple, um, Karam and Katari Chand, uh, this is actually back in 2013 when they had celebrated 88 years of marriage together. Uh, and actually they made it to 90 married years, just about, because um, unfortunately Karam in 2016 died at the long age of 110 years. But there are some, uh, obviously, 
traditional um, relationships which have lasted indeed a long time. Uh, and even myself uh, and Rachel, I can't believe how um, my wife, Rachel, uh, how, how the time has flown, but we celebrated 25 uh, years of marriage together just this earlier this year. Um, and, and it's not all, always been easy. Uh, all marriages, I'm sure, have their ups and their downs uh, and they need to be worked at. But for some, uh, they do hold as an important relationship. It's a lifelong relationship. Uh, and sadly, more and more in the world today don't seem to last. Uh, and, and some only seem to, to last but a matter of months um, or maybe one or two years before they're ended. Um, so the traditional values um, have seemed to have been uh, eroded somewhat in more recent times. Sorry, that was just a picture there of uh, that couple celebrating their 90 years of marriage together at that time. So the values of today's society, uh, relationships, um, different times, types of relationship are more accepted by society today. Uh, it's more acceptable just to live together, um, cohabitation. And we have, as I've um, spoken about earlier, the idea of civil partnerships and same-sex marriages now. Um, and the traditional view of marriage and the scriptural view of marriage in general uh, is much less important. Uh, and divorce is just a trivial thing, it seems, um, today. So let's look at what the Bible actually has to say um, about what marriage is um, and what it means. Um, because there are some very clear commandments from God, uh, which tell us very clearly uh, what is acceptable and what is not in terms of sexual relationships. Uh, and I think it's important just to understand these and to consider these for a few moments. Um, so obviously these kinds of relationships are permitted within marriage between a husband and a wife. Uh, and there are many, many um, passages which talk about that being acceptable uh, within the scriptures. But then there are also very many passages which tell us that outside of a marriage relationship um, these are uh, known differently um, and, and they're given titles of uh, either adultery or forno, uh, fornication. Um, so what do we understand by these two ideas? They're quite old words aren't they? Uh, let's just look at some passages from the Bible to try and make it very clear what we mean by these terms. So first of all adultery um, it was actually the seventh command given by Moses of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery, uh, right there in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Uh, and then another law, which expands on that slightly in Leviticus, that's, uh, again under the law of Moses, uh, chapter 20 and verse 10. The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbour's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So it's talking about um, those that are already in a marriage relationship going off and sleeping with somebody else that is known as adultery. And it was uh, looked upon very severely uh, and punishable by death under the law of Moses. It was a very, very serious thing uh, in those times. 
Uh, and again, in the New Testament, um, a question is asked of the Lord Jesus uh, about um, divorce again. Uh, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So here we have the Lord Jesus giving us a very clear statement uh, about what adultery is. Um, so it, it's obviously sleeping with anybody uh, outside of that marriage relationship. What about this other word, fornication? Um, the Apostle Paul um, gives a long list of uh, the works of the flesh, uh, and both actually we see adultery and fornication appear in that long list of things, which uh, he says that they which do such things, uh, this is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, um, hopefully you can see that at the bottom there, um, but they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So uh, it might not be punishable by death now under the, 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 the commandments of Christ, but there is a very um, clear warning that those that are involved in such things are jeopardising any possibility of being part of God's future kingdom, which he will establish upon this earth. So we do need to pay attention uh, and to understand uh, what is right and, and what is wrong from the scriptural from the Bible point of view. So fornication then, um, I think the best way to try and understand, uh, again, another old English word. Um, but when we look at the translation in the New Testament, uh, we can see the Greek word that it comes from. Uh, and we also might recognize uh, that word pornea, uh, from which, of course, we understand uh, the terms in our language of pornography and, and the like. Um, and there are obviously lots of ideas um, which constitute um, that idea of uh, fornication. Uh, and there I have listed some of them on the slide from uh, a definition, um, a biblical definition uh, of that Greek word pornea. Um, so don't want to dwell on those things, but you can see the kind of things which make up uh, what involves uh, this act of fornication. Uh, and those things are to be avoided if we want to be part um, of God's kingdom that he has promised will come to this earth. Uh, and we have some examples of how um, the Lord viewed such practices uh, and we can go back to one such example in the Old Testament to the book of Numbers in chapter 25. And this was at a time where his people, Israel, uh, were seduced by a surrounding nation of Moab. Uh, and they began to uh, interact with the, the Moabites and to indulge uh, sexually uh, with some of their practices with the Moabite women um, who invited them, enticed them um, to worship their gods of stone and wood and to engage in the practices that went along with that kind of worship of the Baal of Peor. Uh, and we read very clearly that the Lord's anger burned against them. Uh, and when we read on through this account, um, we read about uh, a, um, an Israelite who brought one of these Midianite women into the camp, took, him, uh, took her into his tent, uh, and it was Phineas that stood up uh, and took a spear in his hand, we read there in Numbers 25, uh, and followed the Israelite into the tents, and he drove the spear through both of them. 
uh, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. So quite clearly, uh, we can um, see uh, what was going on there um, and, and what happened to them through the act of Phineas. Uh, and it was that um, act which actually then stopped the plague which had broken out because of the Lord's anger. Um, that plague which broke out among the Israelites um, and it was stopped, um, but not before 24,000, that's a huge number of people, lost their lives in the plague, brought upon them primarily because of the fact that they've gone off with these Moabite women. So it was a very serious act uh, and something which angered the Lord God of Israel um, intently. So uh, we get the idea of what God's view is of such practices. He detests it. Uh, and so we do well to pay attention um, to not get caught up in these kinds of things in our lives. And so that really leaves uh, us with a choice uh, for those of us that are, that are not actually in a, a marriage relationship. Uh, armed with this knowledge, um, there is a, a choice to make. Um, and, and if we look at God's commandments, then the choices are that we actually remain celibate and we don't enter into any kind of uh, sexual relationship. Um, or we get married um, and we get married to somebody of the opposite sex. Now, we haven't looked at the, uh, the scripture behind that, but we will briefly look at that in a moment. Or uh, if we don't choose to uh, follow the, the, the top bullet then otherwise we end up being branded as either an adulterer or a fornicator um, under the definitions and the examples that we have looked at um, just previously. Sadly, uh, for many people in the world today, they choose to live by the latter uh, point on the slide. So casual relationships, um, as I've said, they are more socially acceptable by the majority today. Um, but it's not what the Bible teaches, uh, and these are unacceptable to God. Uh, and it's contrary to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about same-sex relationships? Now, it's not my intention in any way to um, start judging others or to incite any kind of religious hatred uh, or homophobia. Um, but as Christadelphians, we, we can never condone such relationships. Uh, and we, we can certainly can't have what we would term fellowship with people who practice such relationships. Uh, and the reason for that is made quite clear to us uh, when we look at the Bible. The Bible message is very clear. Uh, and we'll just use a few example verses now uh, and let the Bible speak for itself. Um, nowhere in the Bible is it written of a, a man taking a husband or a woman taking a wife. Uh, marriage relationships are always described in the context of a man taking a wife or a woman taking a husband. Um, and the Lord God spoke to Moses, giving him a uh, uh, obviously the law of Moses, um, which was he had to then deliver to his people Israel. And it's very clear under that law um, that a man was not to lie with a man as one lies with a woman, because it is detestable. So that's what God's view of such a relationship is. 
that's just one example from the Old Testament. We'll take one from the New Testament as well. So it's the Apostle Paul, uh, right at the beginning of his letter to the Romans, which also gives us um, some insight uh, as to how these relationships are viewed. Uh, quite strong, he talks about the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all the, un, uh, the godlessness and wickedness of men. Uh, and we look at the description uh, of some of those things uh, which are come under this uh, godlessness or wickedness of men, even their women exchanging natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. So I think that is quite clear, uh, quite clearly talking about same sex relationships. Uh, and he's quite clearly pointing out that you know, the wrath of God will be revealed from heaven against such things. So we don't want to judge people now, but um, there will be a time uh, of judgment in the future if we choose to follow such paths. So that's all I really want to say about such those such relationships this afternoon. And, and for that reason, we, we can't condone such relationships ourselves uh, and fellowship with, with people that practice such. Uh, there are a couple of other things that we can consider. We haven't got too much time this afternoon, um, but under the, uh, the, 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 the subject of marriage, um, we can look at some instructions from the Apostle Paul because he, he does lay down some very practical guidance for us. So we'll have a very brief summary of that. Uh, and then I would finally, I just want to think about marriage uh, as a type uh, and what it means spiritually to us. So let's just... Firstly, go to um, it's Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter seven. Now we haven't got time to um, look at this chapter in much detail now, but uh, recommended for those uh, that it affects to, to read that because there is some very valuable guidance which comes out of this chapter. Um, and it's included, um, who he, he's addressing um, those that are unmarried those that are widowed um, and a husband and wife where perhaps only one of them has found um, the truth and has been baptized into the Lord Jesus uh, and some advice there for those relationships as well. But to summarize what the Apostle Paul is uh, presenting to us, he's saying, actually, it's better to remain single, um, but recognizes um in order to save uh, and avoid immorality, uh, it's not wrong to continue in a marriage relationship or to get married. Um, it's not a sin, um, but it's better to marry a believer than a non-believer. Um, and it's better also for um, an unbelieving wife or husband to remain in a relationship, but it's not wrong for it to end if it can't be made to work. So there's a summary of 1st of Corinthians 7 um, and as I say some some useful guidance for those uh, in those particular circumstances. So then finally let's just look at marriage uh, as a type because we can look at um, some other passages particularly in the Old Testament where marriage is used as a type um, where marriage is a, in a spiritual sense rather than a physical sense. Um, and thinking about marriage in this way 
can help us to understand how God intended both the physical uh, marriage to uh, marriage relationship to operate. Um, so in the Old Testament, uh, God describes himself being married to his people, Israel, in the sense that they belonged to God uh, and he wanted them to remain faithful to him, uh, to think about him and to follow his commandments, to worship him and not go off um, and commit acts of adultery by worshipping other gods of, of wood and of stone. Uh, and sadly, neither Israel nor Judah uh, managed to um, keep that relationship uh, going in the Old Testament. And it's Jeremiah the prophet which um, speaks to Israel uh, and says, Turn, O backsliding ch uh, children, saith the Lord, for I am married to you. So here we, here we get that sense of uh, the spiritual relationship between God and his people uh, and the fact that they've gone off and wandered off. Judah has dealt treacherously uh, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign God. So quite clearly, God's intention for it was for his people to remain married to him. But they were unable to keep that promise uh, and to keep that relationship established. In the New Testament, uh, we have marriage used as a type also, as, uh, as a relationship between Jesus and his followers. Uh, and if we go to Paul's letters to the Romans, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So again, uh, in a spiritual sense, we are to uh, enter into that relationship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ and to produce fruit from it um, in a spiritual sense, that we don't turn our backs on the Lord Jesus, that we don't lust after worldly things, but we remain committed uh, and follow after the fruits of the Spirit, following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Uh, and in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's using that same physical relationship, and obviously applying that to the type between Jesus and those that are baptised into his name uh, and become his disciples uh, we are betrothed to the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism. Um, and of course, uh, there's description of the marriage feast and the marriage supper of the Lamb, which will take place when Jesus returns. And we can read about that in, in the book of Revelation. And then, of course, the product of uh, marriage is to bring forth spiritual fruit to God. Um, as the bride of Christ, we've been commanded to sow the seed, to spread the gospel and to follow the example of the Lord Jesus. And by doing so, we give glory to God and Jesus Christ and we bring forth fruit to his name. Um, second letter to the Corinthians, again, written by Paul, chapter nine and verse 10. Uh, May he who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So very clear words which bring out that type uh, and what the purpose of that relationship is. So as the bride of Christ, uh, this is intended to be a lifelong relationship, not something which is just for a few weeks or a few years, uh, and then somebody goes off and does their own thing. Um, it is a, a lifelong commitment, just as was intended with the physical uh, marriage relationship. Uh, and this is obviously a relationship between Christ and his followers. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So again, referring to those words that I've just spoken of in Revelation, um, talking about that marriage feast that is to come. Uh, and the whole idea of this lifelong relationship is that the bride makes herself ready for that day. And in, in this, we have, um, as I've said, the, the principles intended for the physical marriage relationship uh, of love and dedication, thinking about the needs of the husband and wife uh, and not oneself, giving and not taking, uh, and working to resolve difficulties instead of turning away and just giving up. So just very quickly then to summarise uh, our thoughts this afternoon, uh, a couple of slides just to summarise um, marriage and what the Bible says. Uh, it's intended to be a lifelong union uh, between a man and a woman. Um, and if it ends in divorce uh, and marrying someone else, that's known as adultery. Um, and relationships outside of marriage, uh, adultery and fornication are against Bible teaching and they are unacceptable to God. And then we've looked at marriage as a type uh, of the relationship between God and Israel uh, and between Jesus and his followers. Um, and now as part of that bride of Christ, uh, a follower must remain faithful to him, uh, trying to follow his perfect example. So that's where I want to uh, leave it this afternoon. Hopefully that's given you uh, more of a, uh, an insight into what the Bible presents, uh, what the true marriage relationship should be and what is acceptable to God in his eyes. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org.
So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you.